In the United States today, black households on average have one-tenth the wealth of white households. Wealth can impact credit rating, access to prestigious networking opportunities, and stability in the face of unexpected circumstances. This gap is the product of historic and continuing racist discrimination, and it belies the idea of an American meritocracy or that there is equal opportunity for all. This gap, first in the form of slavery, then Jim Crow, racially restrictive housing covenants and redlining, and then continuing discrimination in hiring and promotions, continues up to this day. And of course, schools are part of this system, so kids, both black and white, are affected. I'm Nathaniel Bozarth. Today on Wide Ruled, I'm with two of the founders of GIFT, Generating Income for Tomorrow. GIFT is an organization dedicated to building wealth in the black community through investing in black-owned business. I can say without guile that GIFT is my favorite nonprofit. Please check them out and donate at kansascitygift.org. Here's our conversation. Hey, Brandon Cornell, it's great to have you on the show. Um, Would you just kind of start by uh, introducing um, yourselves? And I'd love to hear how you got into doing nonprofit work. Awesome. Yeah, so I'll start. Uh, Cornell Gorman, COO, co-founder, board president of GIFT. Um, So how I got into nonprofit work, uh, specifically with GIFT. Um, So on a day-to-day basis, a a large lump sum of the work that I handle is the marketing for, for GIFT. Uh, and how I got into um, just the marketing aspect and uh, videography is, is really uh, what I specialize in is really self-taught. Um, and I had got to a point to where I was I was ready to launch out and start my own business. And um, I wanted I wanted to be informed. I want to know um how to get the best quality, the best look, the best work, uh, how people could present their videos in a way. So I was doing a lot of uh, reading, a lot of learning, a lot of just spending a lot of time with this graph, with the skill. Um, And so after all of that, that learning, all that reading, if you guys know the story of Gift, we saw a post, we got together and we, and and the rest is history. So what I brought to the table was the marketing that I had just been committing a lot of my time to. um, And that's how we got here with me in the nonprofit realm. I, I definitely fully believe the ideal of what we were doing was amazing, uh, but it was never really, I wanted it to be in the realm of nonprofit. Mm. Uh, so it just fit, it worked. I'm here, I love it. We're doing great things and yeah, it's, it's all good. Yeah, so. yeah, I hear that. So you were kind of honing the skill and then it, the, the sequence of events kind of happened that it ended up being nonprofit. But yep. it wasn't necessarily where you were kind of directed. Right, right. What, uh, what about you, Brandon? Yeah. And I, as I think about this, man, my story is a little like long and curving and, and, I hear and that. all of that. But, you know, the one consistent thing is that I'd always, I, I, I'd always wanted to have a positive impact on Kansas City, specifically the inner city. I, I wanted to, I asked my question, I asked myself the question, you know, if, uh, if, 
if I could do something to make life better for me, like better for for my like if my adult self could do something to make better for make life better for myself as a kid, mm. what would that be? And uh, I had political aspirations for for a while, and so I, you know thought about okay, well I'm, I'm gonna try to run Senator Callaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm gonna try to run for office. Uh, you know, and I I wanted to put myself in a position where I was where I was making making change, and so. You know, I, I I was in the fitness industry for a long time, and there I saw myself, you know, making change by helping high school students uh, as a strength and conditioning coach, specifically helping helping them to get college scholarships. Uh, and so, you know, if I can train them up to be great at their sport, and that gets them into uh, a, a full ride into a college where you know they can come out with an engineering degree not necessarily so i'm not trying to send people to the nfl or the nba but just send them to college um and so that 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 was a thing i i mean I, what, what what what's were you at a school you were in a school yeah, north so northeast high school i was a oh. i was a strength and conditioning coach at northeast high school for for a little while um you know i'd done some personal training and strength and conditioning on my own for you know 10 years i was in the fitness industry i had uh <laughs> I took the I took the test to be an Overland Park police officer. Uh, I went through the whole I went through the whole process, and then I decided not to do it uh, because I didn't see myself being a police police officer and having a uh, the change being in the position to make the change that I wanted to to make. Wow. That's a big uh, conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, big conversation. Uh, <laughs> I went from there to trying to to trying to uh, go to law school and go the full political route of you know, uh, you know, Senator, Governor, whatever. Uh, I actually interned at the, jo- the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office as an undergrad uh, pre-law intern for, for about two years. Uh, and ultimately, like, I never really found what it was I wanted to do. And I just, I was, I was still in fitness. So I was in fitness learning how to, how to sell and run business. And, and all. I mean, I ended up being the the general manager of a, of a small studio where I was literally just doing business to business sales, you know, one-on-one personal training sales, uh, and, and running the business. And I got tired of it and I wanted to, uh, use those skills somewhere else where I felt like I have a greater impact on a greater number of people. Cause I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't even getting kids to college anymore. And mm. my wife, mm. my wife was an executive director for a nonprofit. Uh, and you know, like, she was the one that started telling me, you know, like the nonprofit sector is an actual professional career and nonprofit fundraising is an actual uh, thing. And she, you know, introduced me to Nonprofit Connect and I, where I started seeing the job boards. And I realized that the skills that I had in fundraising and in business to business partnerships and in relationship management, uh, I could use all of that over in the nonprofit world. And so I left, took a leap of faith. I left the fitness industry, uh, entered into the low level of the nonprofit world and, and you know, worked my way back up the, back up the ladder. And, and that's, that's, how I, that's how I got to, to you know, where I am. Just that consistent effort of trying to find a way to make an impact on the greatest amount of people uh, in, in, a, in a meaningful way. Uh, yeah, that's how I got here. Right on. So, so um, early 2020, there's the, the Facebook post, which kind of gives the spark, which leads to, to gift. Uh, initially, 
y'all are grinding on the side, right? Like you, you're, you're doing other things and it's on the side, but now like it's what you're spending all your time doing, which is, I'm out. I just, I mean, like round of applause, like that's so exciting. and so huge <laughs> yeah. that, that that happened. Like it's, it's crazy. Like what gift is a, uh, so we're recording this in September. It's uh, a little over a year old. Uh-huh. Yep. About a, yeah. about like what, 16 months? Oh, so not, yeah. not, not very old at all. Yeah. And just see it. Uh, trans, like you're right from, uh, I, I think a lot of times some people would, would assume that nonprofits can be a side hustle uh, uh, and, and see the sort of success we've seen. But no, um, we really were kind of putting in, we were doing jobs, we were working other side hustles to take care of the, the house and everything like that. And, and yeah. this is at the beginning of COVID and everything like that. So that was crazy, but still committing to um, just full-time work with GIF, man. That was, that was, that was a time, man. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. It was. was. I mean, and we 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 started from we started from scratch. We didn't have we didn't start the organization with a large commitment from a funder to give us X amount of dollars to get us up and going. We started from like, all right, cool. Let's just let's just go ask people for money. Yep. We we started from from zero dollars in day one. I, I remember I told the board like, yeah. Our goal, our, our, so like we were two weeks into it. Our goal for this year, $250,000. Like, okay, where are we going to get that from? Like, I don't know. We're right. going to figure it out. But so going from that, going from, you know, literally $0 to, uh, I mean, to date, if we look at last year and this year, we, we've raised, over, like we've secured uh, over a million dollars. And, you know, and we're in fiscal year two, and fiscal year two is highly likely that our, our that will end the year, uh, you know, raising somewhere in either close to potentially over a million dollars just in this in this one fiscal year alone. And so it's come a it's come a long way. It's been a huge grind. Uh, it's taken a, a a whole lot of work that you know we we had to go from being you know being doing it on the side in our free time to being employees doing it part-time to being employees that were 100% focused on gift doing it full-time. Or if we, I mean, if we hadn't done that, there's no way we could, we could go from a $0 organization to a million dollar organization. Uh, And, you know, the, we, we are, we are from the people of the people for the people. And so the more money we raise, the more money we can put back into the, into the community uh, as quickly as possible. Was there like, what's that, what does that feel like? Cause I mean, you're so, so gift is, is raising money uh, to put specifically into to black owned businesses um, to in, invest in those businesses also with business training and other supports. Um, like at that moment when you have to pay yourself, like what, what did that feel like? Was there, yeah. Like, was there any tension that you experienced or was there even like, I, I hope not, but criticism from other people. Yeah. It is, it is a bit awkward uh, because we didn't, we didn't get into this, of course, for the paycheck, for the money. Uh, so it's like, how much do we pay ourselves and, and, and that sort of thing. But, um, but also understanding, um, that if we don't commit full time, that if we don't com- fully 
get involved and push this thing forward? Uh, how many businesses um, won't be able to get the funding that they need to be successful? Uh, how how much longer it will take for our community to have an impact? And we just noticed the more work we were able to commit to the organization, the more money we were able to get, and just the more people we were able to help. We started off giving out eight grants. We're up to like 24 this year. So just that quick. Um, so um it was just something necessary. I guess it was, it was a, yeah. a, a bit, you know, yeah. it's just little stigmas and stuff you work through, but you know, for, I kind of, for me, for me, you know, I, I like I, I you know, left the fitness industry and went to nonprofit. And I was in two, in, I was in nonprofit for about two years before, uh, before gift, but I had a, I was in a unique position where my job at nonprofits was specifically talking and my, my nonprofit job was talking to and working with other nonprofits. So I got to meet, hundreds of not literally hundreds of nonprofits throughout the city in that in that two-year time frame uh and understand how that how they work and how they operate and so that at that time where we were able to bring ourselves on full-time uh or, or even part-time we'd be able to actually bring ourselves on as staff uh i felt a sense of pride because uh black-led nonprofits are not like are, are largely those 100 percent mm. volunteer operated organizations uh, and because of that, it stops them from hidden, reaching those levels of your operation breakthroughs of your, you know, uh, even like places like Prep KC, Thelma's Kitchen, like those those names in the city that are, are doing big work, doing good work um, that can't do that on a, on a volunteer staff. And so it felt for me, it gave me a sense of pride uh, for us to be a real competing nonprofit in this industry uh, because I, I understood it was only going to bring us more money, which meant that it was only going to going to be more money that we could put in into the into the community. And so I understood that stigma. And when people ask me, you know, what's your overhead? Uh, I, I I mean, I, I tell I answer them. Uh, I think our overhead, it, it floats, but it's around 15 percent. Uh, and happy, happy to tell anybody that, but then I follow that up with, you know, how, how does our overhead support our, our mission, right? Like, uh, you technically all, all of our positions are, are part of overhead, but, you know, with me, Cornell and Karis, I mean, Karis is spending her time working any point in time, any one of our business owners can call Karis and say, Hey, you know, this just mm -hmm. happened to my business uh i need you know I, I need some help like she will she'll hop on the phone and try to find prices for people she will try to find co-packer like she works for like she works for us but she works for them uh you know cornell like all of the all of the marketing stuff that he does for us has brought tremendous exposure to our our businesses um you know i i have i've sat down with places like hy and brokered deals to get our business owners in into into Javi. And so all of I, I, I answered, how does our overhead support our mission? And our overhead dollars are used in a way that actually continues to help our business to grow. Uh, so it's an extension of our program. Uh, and then that's a bigger conversation about how people look at not how people look at overhead and nonprofit yeah. in general. And so that's, that's that could be a whole a whole whole nother whole nother thing but yeah i felt a sense of pride because yeah you know it, in this short amount of time 
we were able to stand in the room on the same level as these other nonprofits who have been around for a while and show people that we are we're here, we're serious, we really mean business, and we are we are coming to make a difference in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, uh, and that, I really do like that 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 reframe to the like the the sense of pride that it's not a it's not a oh we have to do this like we have to take money out of here, but like actually it's contributing to the mission and it brings you a sense of pride. So. I want to get to like connecting this to justice and education, what wide rule is supposed to be about in a second. But I have another question, which has come to mind. um, And I'm just like, I got to follow it. Um, And I don't mean this. uh, Yeah, just just go ahead and ask. (laughs) So uh, if, would you ever hire a white person and would it be appropriate for a white person to take a salary working at gift like position because because you know what i'm saying like and, I, and yeah. I don't and i'm not asking this uh well yeah i don't, I don't even i was, I was no, gonna no, say no, i'm no, not no, asking no, this for I, myself i like, like that this is not my job application for gift i love it i think it's a really cure like i'm really curious like Yep. It's something that I wrestle with. That, that, that's how I need to position it. Mm-hmm. It's something I wrestle with as someone who's trying to do work in a racial in a racial justice space. Like, when, if, is it ever appropriate for me to get paid for things I do? Um, which things, which not? So I'm I'm curious. Like, is that something that you've thought about for for gift? Absolutely. You want yep. me? To, you want me to take that? Yeah, I can give my my piece on like we. It's not a conversation we've ever really had. You know what I'm saying? So I can I can give my 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 piece on it for sure. If 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 an individual can can come in, help give, uh, take the business to another level with a skill or profession uh, or expertise in a particular area that can help us achieve the things that we want to achieve. Absolutely, hands down. Uh, I, I don't I don't believe that we're just so. I don't know, pro-black, <laughs> this militant, hardcore black, that it has to be everything black. Uh, it's like, are you Malcolm X uh, pre-Hajj or post-Hajj? That, that's, right. that's the question. I don't know if I said that word right, but yeah, uh, pre-pilgrimage, yeah. post-pilgrimage. Yeah, no, we, we're inclusive. Like, we we need support. Uh, we need help, uh, resources, funds, uh, expertise. So absolutely, I kind of remember a time so like sometimes like we would do intros intros for our videos uh and we had individuals who weren't black do intros for us and some people just didn't they didn't like it <laughs> they just they weren't mm-hmm. with it you know what I mean and it was like we don't care <laughs> you know what I'm saying like these people <laughs> love us they support us they help us and it, and it's in order for this thing to, to go forth it's going to take all of us so absolutely mm-hmm. I think uh I would I would definitely be on board hiring, bringing on, and uh, allowing a person, a white person, to work with gear. Yeah, which got be. Yeah, and so I mean, our, our mission is about closing the racial wealth gap, uh, and you know, boosting up black businesses and and allow and you know help, helping them grow so we can put more money not specifically into black business. I mean, specifically into black business, but not not just into black businesses, but more money into this specific area of the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if no matter who the person is, if they are able to come in with a skill set that allows us, our mission to grow and, and uh, allows our organization to grow and our mission to move forward, then I am absolutely all for that. Uh, and then I will throw a caveat on there to, to say that 
you know, because of our mission uh, and because of the challenges in the nonprofit industry with the amount of people of color in nonprofit, I would, I, I, I would want to, uh, I want to try to find a way to bring on somebody of color, train them. Um, I mean, it, it goes back to all of the the uh, the technical assistance partners that we use. You know, we the a lot of the technical assist the technical assistance partners that we use when we pay for their services are black owned businesses because you know it has the residual impact of you know we are giving out grants but we're also helping to grow this other uh, other businesses as well uh and it's so kind of a medium is the message type of uh right right and so of, how, how if, if there are cycle. ways right if there are ways that we can you know uh progress our mission through the use of our overhead then, then we will we you know i want to want to do that um absolutely yeah now I, now I will also say, um, it. I guess the word pride again comes back to mind when 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 he said when I think about it again though like there is a sense of pride. I, I believe there would be for for bringing on somebody of color or or just be a black person to fill these positions in these roles. Uh, because like Brandon was in the realm of nonprofit, like and and he had the capabilities and skills to run an entire organization and it just he didn't have access or the opportunity to allow his talent to shine in uh, me the same. Mm -hmm. And it's oftentimes I think about past jobs. I've re I've, I've, I wholeheartedly believe uh, I was just more skilled and talented in a, a particular area. And I would go talk to the bosses or whatever. And just why didn't you get the position? And, and literally, I remember one time they said they were just more comfortable with the more other person. You know what I mean? So, um, it isn't just on paper. I have the skills or the experience, you know, there's comfortability things. So like just, just giving, giving people the opportunity and access. Um, I, I, I want to see that happen a little bit more with black people, but just opposed to whites, you know, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then you, like, there are not a lot of black people in the realm of nonprofit. Uh, and when you see black people in nonprofit, they're either getting money as, as recipients or they're in the programs part of nonprofit, and there are there are few in the executive leadership roles, in the fundraising profession in general, uh, and, and in the the like the back office of just nonprofit operations. And you know, I, I would love I love the idea of gift being a space for people to come in, learn about the industry hone those skills, develop those skills that they already have that translate to nonprofit that they may not know translate to nonprofit. I mean, I was, I was a, I was a, I was selling personal training and I was running a personal training gym. And then I applied to be a bottom level individual giving officer at a nonprofit. And they told me, oh, well, you don't have that experience and you don't qualify. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's, it's funny because two years I, two years later I, I now run run my own nonprofit and and I've raised millions you know close to a million dollars with those same skills that I had that I was told didn't qualify me for nonprofit fundraising and so if we can bring in black people train them up uh, 
and be a pipeline for creating black nonprofit professionals uh, in the Kansas City community. Like that, to me, that would be that would be a great use of our overhead funds. Uh, a, a great way to make sure that our, our our overhead supports our mission because we would then be able to contribute to the changing of philanthropy from from the inside you know we, we are an organization that is focused on black business but it is you know, not lost on us the challenge that black-led nonprofits have mm. as well it feels like there's so many uh, it's so cool like I'm just, I'm just a huge fan of gift for so many reasons, but this is one of them. Like the way that there's like these ripple effects that it can have, or that like, when you, when you give money to gift, you're not, it's doing so many things. Like it's, it's, it's like you talk about the dollar circulating in the black community. Like that's exactly what's happening inside like the realm of gift. Yeah. Um, how does, so developing that pipeline, of having more black talent in philanthropy, in nonprofit. How does that change the, how nonprofits in Kansas City work? Yeah, uh, oftentimes, so a, a lot of times when, when, there are, when there are conversations about, you know, an organization's, uh, let me try not to be too specific here. <laughs> <laughs> conversation about about an organization's focus on diversity and equity and inclusion uh those conversations are had at the executive level and there are uh there there are no people of color uh at all like no people of any color uh and in executive leadership uh then those the executive leadership can one make those decisions on their own or they could go out to their lower level level employees and try to bring them in to, to begin to, to help make, make these decisions, to help identify some challenges and, and points of potential uh, remedy. Uh, the challenge with that is like, well, you, you'd have to find low level employees uh, who are comfortable talking to executive leadership about, you know, uh, organizational challenges in diversity and equity and and so that 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 is that's me you know me low-level fundraiser telling my ceo or coo hey our, our organization has you know challenges with racial equity uh you know they run an the organization and so it's kind of it's you're kind sticking of a, your neck out big yeah, time yeah, yeah. You, you are and that that's that that's a that's a risk and then when it comes to uh, when it comes to programs, like often people of color are the recipients of programs, but they don't have the input on the structure of those programs. They're not consulted before those programs are created that impact them and affect them. And, uh, and having more people of color on, the, on those executive teams, specifically on those program executive teams, and not just the program uh, like admin or the program executioners, uh, provides more provides the potential for more informed insight when developing those programs and then when we even when we look at fundraising you know black people people of color are often left out of fundraising uh altogether like like they're they're not 
there are not a lot of black fundraising professionals and then fundraising like people asking for funds does not happen often in the black community and so uh just economically there's a whole potential untapped market of, of money that you could raise uh by you know, directing some fundraiser fundraising efforts to the black community, uh, and I would argue that those efforts would be much more effective if you had people on staff who were familiar with the culture, familiar with the people, familiar with the areas. Uh, so, so yeah, in, in all in all realms of the that back office, uh, in nonprofit, there there would be there could be multiple levels of benefit in having a more diverse staff. Cornell, is there anything that comes to mind for you thinking about that, like <sighs> ripple effect, transform it, transforming that nonprofit landscape? Uh, not immediately. I think B hit it on the head, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was, sure. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, that's, that's how it works. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's, I mean, and I think like there's, there's well-documented research, like, about generally, uh, like, and, and purely from like a profit, like corporate standpoint, like more diverse workplaces are more innovative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like from a, from a triple bottom line perspective, like more diverse workplaces are going to do, will have the potential anyway, to do more benefit for the world when it's not a, a white gaze, white perspective that is, yeah. Looking at such a tiny aspect of reality and I don't know, us white yeah. people have all sorts of intellectual issues uh, that, that we, that many of us haven't worked through. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how does, um, uh, now as we're coming to near the end of the episode, how does, uh, <laughs> what does, how does gift, uh, how does gift KC relate to the world of education and uh, education justice in your eyes? Yeah. Uh, so my perspective, um, I think gift impacts education uh, just from a community standpoint. The community gets stronger as our education systems get stronger. Our kids become healthier and they become they eventually grow and become more productive in the community. So right now in, uh, in the inner cities, specifically, um, um, like the Kansas City, Missouri School District, probably one of the lowest funded school districts in the entire state. Um, and then I read, was reading an article saying it, just across the entire nation, lower funded school district have higher increases in gun violence. Uh, and just talking about just the types of requirements needed for these children living in low, low income every areas, poverty related um you know, higher poverty, higher poverty areas. I can't, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Uh, just some of, the, some, some of the issues that, that they're dealing with, some of the things that they're going through. Um, schools not being equipped in dealing with these kids with going through these mental issues. Um, there, there's probably a 15 year old kid we can go find in, in one of these high schools right now who's probably dealt with traumatic deaths than um a lot of people probably see in their entire lifetime you know cousins brothers best friends schoolmates shot murdered and killed and them having to process and deal with that and um some another kid making fun of them you know what i mean so 
there's a need for more counselors and everything like that in the community. Uh, so when GIVE comes in and when we're able to build businesses in these particular areas, those tax dollars can go to these schools and these schools can get more security, can train teachers to, to uh, just be more trained on dealing with these kids on a day-to-day -day basis and not just ready to kick them out, expel them and be done with them. And then and then this the cycle continues on just career current criminals. Um, so it's not just a major part, kind of like that ripple tech we were talking about. It, it's, a, it's a minor part, but uh, eventually if we grow the community around outside of these schools and the, that these children live in, um, these schools become a little bit stronger, man. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even going as far as, you know, like things that are not directly, con like not on its surface, directly connected to, to uh, schools and education, you know, um, if, if a parent is struggling with financial security, they are less likely to be engaged in their, their children's education. You know, if I got to pick between helping my kid do their homework and making sure they're on track at school or making sure that we keep on the lights and keep a roof over our head. Then I'm going to focus on keeping on the lights and keep a roof over our, our head. And, you know, because I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't want to, I'm not going to choose to have a straight A homeless student. Yeah, you can't, <laughs> you know? I mean, you can't read your homework or your, your <laughs> book really well if the lights are off. Right. 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 Uh, and, and so, so that, I mean, that, that's, that's a whole nother, like, but with gift helping to grow black businesses in, in the city, create jobs. Like, yes, there, there will be an increase in tax dollars that go towards the school, but there's also, you know, uh, a, a increase in the potential for parents and families to be more stable uh, and have more uh, a, a attention to school. You know, there, there are, there are things, you know, basic human needs and, and safety you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, has been a thing for a long time and it's not going away because, you know, it, it's, it's real. And, and so when, and all, I mean, all, all of those first few things are about financial stability. Yeah. Uh, and so when we, when we have, when we are able to build up these communities, create these jobs and, and, and increase the amount of financial stability in these individual families, uh, they're, you're, Poverty-related crime goes down. Uh, uh, engagement in, in, in school can go up as well as the you know tax dollars being able to go back into the into the school, uh, and and be have better funded schools that are better able to meet the the needs of the the needs of the the children. And I, I you know I'm biased to a nonprofit, and I would I would always I I. I feel like schools can do a, and this is probably you know, schools in general, but could do a better job of, or do a job of preparing students uh, for, for diverse career choices. Like you, I mean, you, you can think about being a lawyer, you can think about being a doctor, you, you, I mean, you don't necessarily think about, think about the industry of nonprofit. I, I, I'm always frustrated that I spent, you know, probably 25 years not knowing that mm. the the nonprofit industry was a thing or that it existed at all. Mm. Yeah. Glad you're there now. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, here me now. Too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
Something yeah. that, like, oh, go go ahead, Cornell. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I was just saying something that was illegal. Something well, like what? Yeah, I, I was thinking about like kind of going back to thinking about the uh, the the multiple effects that kind of that dollar circulation. Um, something that came to mind when you were talking was thinking about, oh man, what? Uh, this is kind of a digression, but some of the businesses that like, I know there was a catering business that you gave a, gave a grant to. Um, and I was excited to see, uh, I think you, you posted uh, somewhere that they're going to have a, a physical location in the at, MCI airport. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Like, that's super <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. What would it take? Uh, it seems like uh, another place. There's a lot of, even in, even in an underfunded school, there's a lot of money that goes into that building. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, if I have a coffee shop, and I'm serving customers that walk up to my door. That's one thing. But if I have wholesale customers, my my uh, my markup is is better. I get I'm making more money per effort. Right. Um, there's a there's a better term for that. I'm not business savvy. I got you. <laughs> so like it makes me think like, well, what about like, wh- why isn't it or or is it something that schools could like? What if the school lunch program was somehow like managed? through uh, black owned companies or a catering company, or, you know, like it makes, I, I don't know. Wow. I'm just like, that, that's something that came wow. to mind. Like, <laughs> no, no, I mean, that, like that is literally, it's kind of like what Ruby jeans is doing right now. Like Ruby jeans just got that. Contract oh, yeah. with, with There's the, an example. But, yeah. To, to put, uh, to put their fresh juice in, I want to say all of the schools in the Kansas city public school district. Uh, and so, so like that, that's a, that is a perfect example of the school district using the funds that it has allotted to to them uh to help boost up and and grow a grow a black business and profit margin that's the that's the term you was looking profit for. margin thank you <laughs> i knew one of y'all would have that term. <laughs> yeah yeah that's no. awesome so i was trying to rethink the wheel and it's already out there that's great well no i mean it, it yeah it, it is and there there should be uh i mean I, I can't think of anything other than the ruby jeans deal which happened what, like two, three weeks ago. Uh, I can't think of another one. Yeah. Uh, and I love I loved the concept. Like the potential for that is there. The opportunity is there. What that would mean for black businesses is, is uh, amazing. But also just imagine uh, the kids seeing somebody being able to bring their product in that kind of looks like them, dressed like them, put their yeah. product in there. Um, that that means something like that's important, you know, just to get yeah. the idea, know that it's possible, know that it's real. And uh, that might inspire them to do, do something similar. So, yeah. yeah. Exposure is a huge thing. Exposure Absolutely. is a, a really big thing. You know, I was, I was, uh, I was on a panel the other day or a couple of weeks ago when I was telling the story, you know, I, I was listening to NPR and uh, it was a woman on there. She was an aerospace engineer and she, uh, she grew up, with her dad being an astronaut and so from the time she was four uh she had went to every single rocket launch uh from nasa like she was she was there watching all all, all of the rockets launch uh, and it, that's a high amount of exposure mm-hmm. to you know her dad working for, Na- for nasa and now she you know given he was an astronaut she was an aerospace engineer so she wasn't actually she didn't want to be an astronaut but uh like does aerospace engineering run in a blood <laughs> i doubt it i think it was the 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 fact that she was exposed to uh like just to that life 
made it completely i mean she can grow up and say oh yeah i'm gonna be an aerospace engineer and it and it's is real for her it's tangible mm-hmm. it's it's not a it's not absurd when you know i think it's, it's like the cliche the cliche thing when you ask a kid oh what do you want to be when you grow up they say oh i want to be an astronaut and like that's a like that's the cliche thing of like oh this kid has put no thought into it at all uh but because most people are not exposed to you know living their life with an astronaut and, and yeah, so right. that yeah, right. the, the more that you're exposed to those things that we might think of as foreign far out there or, or just unattainable the more attainable they would come uh and you know the higher the likelihood is that they actually will att- obtain it yeah absolutely our systems kind of like kind of reproduce themselves in that way that that kids see what their parents do uh and I mean, so you have each gener- each successive generation for years, like that's, that's been the case for, or for decades, that's been the case. And, yeah. and you, I think you see that in systems. And I mean, that goes back to the nonprofit thing. Like if you aren't exposed to people who look like you having jobs in a nonprofit world, like it, it's, it's hard to see that it might be an option. Yeah. You know, and like every time we go, every time we fly, uh, I make sure we take our we take my son to the cockpit to meet the meet the uh, pilot. Uh, you know, my sister in law is a, a vet veterinarian, and and so like that. Which these are these are these are jobs that you know sound really cool to kids. Uh, and, and so I just I'm, I I want to make sure that my kids see that while well, these jobs sound really cool, they're just jobs. Uh, mm-hmm. And so if you want it, you can have it. Uh, and, and so, you know, I want, I want, I want him to sit in the cockpit as much as he possibly can, uh, because if he wants to grow up and be a, be a pilot, uh, I don't want it to be a foreign, foreign concept to him. So yeah, that increased exposure is. I'm I'm kind of afraid of the answer to this question, but I'm curious, have any of the pilots been black? No, (laughs) nope. Dang it. No black, no black pilots. Uh, I don't think there have been any like white women. Like there have been no female pilots either. But coolly enough, we have an individual on our board who's taken his pilot test to become yeah. a, nice. a pilot. Yep. All right, get your son in that cockpit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's part of like the Black Pilot Association. Uh, it's cool. Awesome. He he is Dwan. He does a lot of things. Does Dwan does everything. Yeah. Cool. Well, where can people? Um, where can people find gifts? Uh, um, I'm pretty sure you take, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't want only, should I say that? Gosh, I, I'm just like, just doubting myself this whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, nah, do it. Uh, I support gift. Uh, uh-huh. and I, I think other white people should too. Uh, I'm sure you, you, um, take dollars from anyone, um, to, to, to do this good work that you're doing. How can people find gift? Um, Absolutely. So Kansas City Gift uh, is our universal uh, tagline. So that's our webpage, www.kansascitygift.org. All social media platforms, Kansas City Gift. So um, you can find us on on those platforms. If you want to donate, we encourage you to go to our webpage. Um, There's a donate button. You click that. It's just a a real simple button. Uh, You hit that, fill out the information, boom, you're good to go. So Really simple, really easy, man. That's cool. how you, you find us. Is that in really bad taste if I 
mention that I give. Is that awful? <laughs> no, no, that we encourage it. It's like it's like peer pressure. Put a new peer pressure, not like yeah, I'm a good person. It's better for us. If they're comfortable with you, they know you. It, it's better that you we do. We can say we the gift works all day long, but if you say it, they might, you know. Yeah, man, it's like my favorite. It is my it is my favorite organization to to shout out. I think. Yes, it, you don't have to yeah. say that because we hear nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. What I, mean? but I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you can learn more about Gift and support their mission at KansasCityGift.org. Wide Rule was first produced as a part of Brain Root Light and Sound. Thanks for listening.